Welcome to the Retreat House Podcast. I'm your host, Angie Smith. I've invited a friend to the table to share their story. Come and join us. Welcome to the table. Well, we are starting our series on spiritual formation. And if you listened, go back and listen to last week so you can understand why I am doing this series. But I thought a really important place to start with a series about spiritual formation is with wrestling and the importance of wrestling, um, because I think, I believe that that is where it starts. You have to be okay with wrestling to for that spiritual formation process to really happen. And so the person that I've asked to come and talk about wrestling is a new friend of mine, Stephanie Spencer. And I met her through our mutual friend, Kathy Solomon, and we met for lunch and talked and talked and talked. And I actually had a hard time kind of breaking away and saying goodbye and leaving because I just wanted to stay and talk. So I'm so glad that she is coming on this show today to talk about wrestling Stephanie is the executive director of 40 Orchards, and I will let her tell you a little bit more about that. So welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm so glad Um, you're here. This is one of my favorite topics. Oh, good. (laughs) So yeah, so 40 Orchards exists to help people gather around scripture differently. We find that in a lot of religious contexts, people are lectured Mm -hmm. um, versus being a part of the conversation. And so Mm -hmm. we gather in small groups and living rooms and churches. Even uh, Lisa, who works with me, does this in prison. Uh, with people that. there and she has found beautiful fruit there but um, so many of us just have not had a voice in our own faith mm-hmm. and so uh, what we do is we gather uh, with scripture in the center and we wonder where we are in our lives what are we bringing into the room and then we wonder together what scripture might have to say about that and so myself or Lisa or other teachers might bring a certain knowledge of Hebrew or context that uh, roots it, but then mm-hmm. we learn from one another and we really wrestle together with what what scriptures have to say about the human narrative mm-hmm. and our relationship with divine and how that story that was told so long ago is still being told in our lives. And I learn every time from the people in the room and how they're seeing And I love, love, love having it be a safe space to bring questions Mm -hmm. and not have to have answers. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes people leave with more questions than they (laughs) came with. Um, But to me, that's actually a part of the success of a time like that is to say life is complex and Mm -hmm. faith is complex. And if we can find space to wrestle together through those complexities, there's life that can be had. There are a couple of things I really appreciate about what you said. First of all, people having a voice Mm -hmm. in their own relationship with God because I, I'm just finishing a preaching class, and as I've been standing in front of people speaking, I've been thinking, how do I give them tools to go and study the word for themselves? Mm-hmm. Because I think that's so important to not, to not just take it from people all the time, mm-hmm. but to be in the word. And and I think it can be intimidating and mm-hmm. overwhelming for people that, you know, oh, I have to quote get it right, or yeah. but there's just a lot lot around that Mm -hmm. yeah and that you make space for wrestling Mm -hmm. I think that's I think that's important and I feel like that has been a big shift for me to allow myself to wrestle to allow myself to ask those deep hard questions Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, because I think a lot of times we feel like 
it's a sign of lack of faith. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's often been the story told to people of, oh, if I'm struggling with something, if I'm not sure about something, that must mean I don't have faith. And I actually think it's the opposite. I think it's when we are secure in a relationship that we feel the permission to ask the hard questions. Mm -hmm. It's when we're not secure in a relationship that we don't ask and that we play pretend and that we say everything's fine. And I Mm -hmm. think if we feel like we can come to God with the really hard stuff, to me, that shows a faith in a God who loves us through that, mm-hmm. who wants to talk to the beings that he created about what life is really like. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's trusting that God understands those questions, which is a part of how I understand uh, how and why Jesus came, is that there is a connection with what it means to be human and uh, what it means to struggle, what it means to be misunderstood, and that God knows that and God is with us in that. And I think. There's a lot of witness of scripture of that, of psalms that there are psalms that are just all, yay, God, I will praise you all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there are other psalms that are, life is hard, but I will praise you anyway. Mm-hmm. And there are psalms that say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, that don't have any resolve in them. And they are part of the canon of scripture that was given to us to say these are all appropriate ways to pray mm-hmm. and talk to a God who is with you in whatever you are walking in. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, that sometimes we were talking, what you just said about how people giving themselves permission to ask hard questions, sometimes I think that looks like to other people that we are doubting our faith. Mm. And I think sometimes it feels, it can feel that way, too. If you get to a place, like, I've been reading The Critical Journey Mm. and talking about getting to the wall and making the choice to break through this wall of a hard thing in your life, and that sometimes it can feel it can feel like you're losing your faith, but mm. then to be able to keep reminding yourself, no, like this is, God is big enough. That's the, that's the thing that keeps coming back to me is God is big enough. God is big enough to answer, to handle my questions about mm. him, mm-hmm. about life. And he loves me enough to sit with me in that mm-hmm. and to reveal himself in a new way, mm-hmm. either through his word or like what you're talking about, sitting with people. Mm-hmm. and studying it together. Right. And it really uh, goes together so well to be wrestling with other people and with the word because we learn from other people's experiences. I was thinking about um, in that communal aspect of things. Um, I was recently in Israel. We do that mm-hmm. as a part of um, our nonprofit has a cohort program that's a mm-hmm. more intensive study experience and communal experience. Is that the trip Kathy was that's just Kathy on? Kathy was oh, okay. just on it, yep. One of the powerful examples of the temple in a certain period of Jewish history was there is there were steps that you used to ascend mm-hmm. to the temple, and there were other steps that you went down from the temple. And so it was just a flow of traffic. It makes sense. But the exception was if you had had uh, death or hardship in the between the last time you went to the temple and the time you are there now. And if that is true in your life, you walk the stairs in the opposite direction. Mm. So as others are walking up, they see you walking down. And without any words being exchanged, you are witnessed in your pain. Mm. And you are witnessed as someone who came to the temple anyway, but maybe it was hard for you to come that year. Mm -hmm. And the communal witnessing of pain and difficulty and struggle is such a powerful thing that 
uh, holds one another up because the person walking the other direction can look at those walking up and saying, okay, maybe next year that'll be me too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And those uh, walking up might look at the people walking down and say, oh, that could be me next year too. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen between now and next time. But here we are together Mm -hmm. in this place, all making our way towards the same God the best we can. Mm -hmm. And let's hold each other and let's give each other hope and let's remind each other of a bigger story than our lives that we can see right in front of us. Yeah. Yes. And I don't think we do that very well Mm -hmm. anymore. Like as a culture, I don't think we do. No, because it it feels like people feel shame to walk Mm -hmm. those stairs in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to feel okay about this thing that happened. I'm supposed to pretend and just walk with the crowd going Mm -hmm. the same way instead of saying, no, I'm going to be honest. Mm -hmm. So it was really hard for me to come here this year. Right. And when you're walking the opposite way and seeing people walking the regular way, to be able to borrow hope and faith from them right. in your circumstances. Mm-hmm. And that that, you know, I think sometimes we hear the words of Jesus saying like, oh, have faith like a mustard seed. Oh, you have little faith. And we think that means walking the same direction. And mm-hmm. I think it means walking the opposite. Mm-hmm. Having the faith to know that that's okay and that's held. And in walking the opposite way, you're believing that God is still good even when life is feeling frustrating. And that's faith. Mm-hmm. That's deep faith. I heard someone say once that the opposite of love isn't hate. The opposite of love is apathy. Mm. And I wonder the same thing about faith. If it's, if it's apathy that really is what we need to guard from. Mm-hmm. 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 And you cannot be an apathetic wrestler. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So talk, when we met uh, the first time, you mm-hmm. talked a little bit about wrestling and the word wrestle mm-hmm. and a Hebrew word that has wrestle in it. Will you share a little bit of that? Yes. I think one of the things that I love in, in um, gathering on scripture in this way is helping people think maybe differently about Bible study than they have in the past. I think we, we key into some of the Jewish ideas of Midrash and what it means to really discuss a passage and have multiple perspectives on a passage um, while still being rooted in the passage. And um, one of the things that most people haven't practiced is translating names instead of transliterating names. Okay. When we look at scripture and we see a name like Moses, we just hear Moses mm-hmm. as a name. But people in the ancient world who spoke the language would know what Moses means. And I think of it like Gwyneth Paltrow, I think it was, named her daughter Apple. Mm-hmm. No one has to translate Apple for us. We know right. that it's both a name and a meaning because mm-hmm. um, we know the word Apple. And we lose that across culture and language with scripture. But people hearing Greek names and Hebrew names who knew that language would have an understanding of the meaning of that name that we don't read into the text. Isn't Moses from the water? Yes, uh, drawn out from the water. And here you see Moses being someone who draws out water. Mm -hmm. Um, His name carries that meaning through his life where he is drawn out from the water as a baby and he draws people across the water into freedom Mm -hmm. and he draws water from the rock to provide them their needs once they're free. Uh, He lives his name. Mm -hmm. And when you read that name, that meaning, not just the transliteration, but the translation, Mm -hmm. It causes a different set of questions to rise up about the passages. And um, so one of my favorite circumstances of that is in Genesis 32. And we have this guy, Jacob, who has just had a rough go of it in his life. He's got his twin brother, Esau, who seems to be favored. But yet God has said that Jacob's the one who's supposed to receive the inheritance. 
And in his story, we see for any of us who have struggled with our family history Mm -hmm. and feeling like we weren't seen and didn't know how to step into the future that we knew God had for us, Mm -hmm. that's the story of Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) Because his mom knows from the time he is in the womb that God has chosen him, Mm -hmm. but the dad's the one who's going to give the blessing, and the dad really likes Esau. And then you have this whole generational thing, this male, this, you know, patriarchal problems happening with who can has have what voice in the household. And Jacob's kind of lost in the shuffle of that and has to struggle through what do I push hard to get and what do I wait to receive? And he does some things right, does plenty of things wrong and has this long journey that means he's got to flee his family because Esau wants to kill him. (laughs) Hopefully in our family (laughs) trouble, it hasn't gotten that far (laughs) for most of us. But there comes a time where it's time for him to return home because he can't live out the blessing that God has given him unless he's home to live that out, unless he's home Mm. to actually lead what God has called him to lead. But going home means facing his past and all of the pain that he caused and all of the pain that was caused to him. And he's at this point of the journey where he's about to cross the river Jabuk and go over again. And I love, and Yabuk is, uh, it means to empty out. Hmm. And I love translating that too, like not just translating names, but translating places. And what does it mean to be at the river emptying before you cross over into your past that's really crossing over into your future? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) I think we know that feeling. Right, right. (laughs) We know that point of, <laughs> How do I do this? Mm-hmm. What am I facing? What does this mean? How do I, you know, and just all the questions that would be held in that moment in time. And Jacob at that moment of time is by himself. He sends at that river emptying, he sends every, all of his possessions, all of his family across before him, and he's by himself for the night. And this man, angel, God figure shows up. There's some mystery there for mm-hmm. who it really is that Jacob wrestles, but Jacob wrestles all night long. And after the wrestling, there's this beautiful conversation where Jacob says to this man, angel, God figure, I won't let you go until you bless me. Mm. And there's this beautiful tension there of, well, I thought Jacob was already blessed. Mm. Why is he asking for another blessing? Mm -hmm. But that wrestling for really receiving the blessing that we know is ours to hold and to really receive it in a way that is for what God has for it and not that's the struggle blessing for a lot of people in scripture is it's not health wealth and prosperity mm-hmm. it's living for the sake of others and mm-hmm. can I receive that blessing mm-hmm. but of all questions this man angel god figure asks what's your name in mm. response to that and he's got to own that his name is Jacob which means heal literally means heal and Jacob, you can kind of see in his life how he struggled. The first use of the word heal in scripture comes in Genesis 3, where it's a heal is a crusher of evil. Hmm. But heal is also a word that can mean deceiver in that the idioms of the day. And you kind of see in Jacob this struggle for how to live into his name. So you're saying heal, H-E-E-L. Yeah, like foot. Mm -hmm. Um, Because he grabbed onto his brother's foot as he was born. Mm, Okay. But just like in English, when someone's being a heel, it has another meaning to it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But he had this name that he had to kind of figure out, who am I? Am I I a stomper of what's wrong? Mm -hmm. Am I that meaning of the word heel? Or am I going to manipulate? And am I that meaning of the word heel? And you see him waver between the two. But he's got to own it. He's got to say, this is my name. This is who I've been. And then as soon as he owns it and names it, this man, angel, God figure says, given you a new name. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I think this new name is about this moment, but it's also about everything this moment has represented about what came before and what will come after and says, your name is Israel, which means one who wrestles with God and with humans Mm -hmm. and is able. Ah, and then that's what, like, God's people. And that's what God's people are called. And then if we keep translating that name, Mm -hmm. instead of transliterating it, we see that the name of the people of God becomes the people of Israel. And this is really what it means to take that blessing forward, is Mm -hmm. that we are people who wrestle with God and with humans and are able. Mm -hmm. And to hear that that is the identity of a person of faith, not a person who doesn't wrestle, but a person who does and is able and can keep going. I'm a little speechless. I don't even know (laughs) what to say about that. Mm -hmm. So what has that meant to you in your own spiritual formation to, I mean, when you realized, oh my goodness, this is, this is what it means to be a person of faith, to wrestle. Yeah. I think it gives so much permission to stick with questions for longer, Mm. to be comfortable with mystery, Mm -hmm. to hold on to all of the tensions that are a part of life and faith where like the tension of I am both individually very important and not important at all Mm, mm, mm -hmm. because I am both created in the image of God and beautiful and loved. And also if I don't see myself as a part of a bigger community and as a part of a bigger history and story, then I'm going to become too big. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if I only hold the story, then I'm going to become too little. And so we're just always holding tensions like that of how both are true Mm -hmm. and I think wrestling and being able gives us so much permission to hold those tensions can I and to ask why do I feel so passionate about this particular question and to ask I think about like theology is important and I think it's a place we get lost Mm. because we don't ask the question that's underneath the question we ask, what do you believe about predestination and free will? Mm-hmm. Can you name it in five points? Right. <laughs> Instead of asking, why do we feel like that's an important question? Mm. What am I afraid of? Mm-hmm. What do I believe about who God is? What do I believe about who humans are? And why do I think that's an important question to ask? And what would it feel like if I didn't have an answer to that question? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to hold some mystery around that question? But especially those questions of what am I afraid of? Where is my identity? Mm -hmm. Who do I think God is? We don't often ask those questions. We stay on the surface. (laughs) Have you ever read English Lessons by Andrea Licato? Mm -mm. Max Mm -mm. Licato's daughter, Andrea, wrote a book called English Lessons. And she got her master's over in, not Oxford, Oxford. It was one of the other colleges within Oxford. And she met a man who was had gone over there to study theology and in his study of theology just got bogged down with you know all the questions and the thought and it was like almost like there was it was a black and white it was a right or wrong and he kind of got lost mm-hmm. in that so when you were talking about that theology is important but then also being able to ask I mean I love your questions about why am I even asking this question mm-hmm. why is this important And in her book, she actually talks about her own process of growing up in Texas and then going and being in Oxford, where it's a lot of high thinking and and thought and and wrestling and and giving herself space Mm -hmm. to to wrestle and to ask questions and and to doubt. And it was it was I, I highly recommend it for anybody who is trying to who feels afraid Right. To wrestle. Mm-hmm. Who feels afraid to ask the questions 
because I think she articulated really well, okay, I've had this really like specific conservative upbringing where asking questions really not necessarily that it was even spoken that you can't ask questions, but it was just this unspoken thing Mm -hmm. to where she went and wrestled Mm -hmm. with them because I think, I think that's important. And I think that's what I've been realizing too, with my own walk is asking those questions. I am still stuck on the questions that you ask about why you're asking that question. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because even like that predestination free will, it's, you know, why, why am I asking that question? What does it make me think about God? It's the, I want to be right. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to do anything wrong. Right. You know, I want to make sure that I'm follow. It's right. It's wanting to be right and not wanting to be wrong. Right. And what does it mean to wrestle with? Why does that feel so important to us? Mm -hmm. Do we think what, what might that reveal about what we think God's character is like? Mm -hmm. Um, Do we think that, uh, and just keep asking the next questions. I, a friend of mine um, called me the, the asker of questions that ruin her life. (laughs) Because it's it's all our strengths are our weaknesses, our weaknesses are our strength. They're just it's such a fine line between the two. But I just never stop asking the next question. And I think that's really important and something that we're just not given a lot of permission to do in a lot of circles to say, mm-hmm. yeah, what's that question underneath the question? And there's a way that I think what that does is it integrates our head and our hearts and, and our beings into our faith um, because it's many of us have experienced one or the other, but not the two integrated. So we might have a place like, like Oxford where we're asking mm-hmm. really good, heady, thoughtful questions about mm-hmm. theology and scripture and history and language, and all of those are really good. And we might be in a space where we're asking lots of heart questions of like, am I loved? Where's community? Mm-hmm. And I'm longing for something like that. But I think this way of asking questions is, is saying we need both kinds of questions. Um, and they need to be integrated in order to really holistically have a faith that we're walking out mm-hmm. and to let that be. Um, I think the other the other thing I think of that's related to wrestling is the idea of verb versus noun. One of the things that is true about the Hebrew language that I think is how scripture as a whole is written is it's a verb-based language. So everything goes back to root words that are verbs, which means everything goes back to it action not static okay and in going back to action not static there's a different kind of fluidity and movement to the faith that we're holding that can be really scary at first but kind of embedded with it then are the questions of the journey that if we really ask them cause us to be dependent (laughs) cause us to trust cause Mm -hmm. us to surrender because we can't quantify it we can't box it we can't stop it the way we can do with nouns and it nouns there's a way that nouns sort of um oh i was just with a person who was talking about um, native languages in this way that that a lot of na- native languages are verb based and so in the word for a table embedded in the word is that this thing that is in front of us right now once was not a table and once will not be and someday will not be a table it's paused in the state of being a table right now hmm and what it means to see that same sort of verbness in a lot of the um, ideas of scripture where it's a... Um, Why don't we talk about the word shalom? Yes. Yes. So the perfect. <laughs> I, was thinking, yeah. I was trying to think of a good example of where to go. So the word shalom is, is often translated peace, peace, but that's peace is a noun. Mm-hmm. So if we dig in and say, what what verb was that a part of? What verb 
begins that noun, and it's the word for wholeness. Mm-hmm. So then shalom, uh, if we just translate it peace, we might think absence of conflict. But how is absence of conflict different than the presence of wholeness? And what does it mean to walk in wholeness, to walk towards wholeness, to walk from wholeness? Mm-hmm. And I was just doing a study on peace because I had to do a message for it. And one of the places it was even translated, it is well. Mm-hmm. That's where shalom was translated, it is well, mm-hmm. which then like blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And I love in the um, one of the places I love that uh, if we think about it this way and go back to the verb is in um, 1 Samuel um, chapter 1, mm-hmm. Hannah has been wrestling mm-hmm. <laughs> with her desire to have a child and she doesn't have one. And um, meanwhile, her, her rival, Panina, is having no problem having kids. So how does that exacerbate the problem? <laughs> right. In a culture and, where that was where your identity was. Right. And mm-hmm. we'll just, you know, we'll just set aside the questions of multiple wives and mm-hmm. right, why right. infertility is always the woman's <laughs> fault and all those sorts of things. But um, <laughs> she gets to this point where she is just pouring herself out before the Lord. And she asks this really deep prayer of asking God for a seed for his people. Mm-hmm. And there's a way that she's asking for a bigger future than herself. And there's something in her that she knows is meant to come forward that has not yet come forward. And she's asking for it boldly while still asking for it sacrificially. And it's just a beautiful prayer. And Eli, the priest, sees her praying this prayer and is like, are you drunk? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she tells him what he's what she's doing. And it and he says, he says to her, may the God grant you your request. But then he also says what's often translated, go in peace, mm-hmm. which in English sounds so static and noun, like leave here in peace. Mm-hmm. But if we verb it, if we go back to a verb-based language, what he says is, is go, but it can also mean walk, mm. journey. Mm. Um, like continuing, continuing, like ing. Ing, walking. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the other thing. The verb tenses have a more continual mm-hmm. nature to them. So walk. And then there's a prefix on the word shalom there. That's a it's a lamed. It's a Hebrew letter lamed that also can mean multiple things, because um, there's just a different comfort with holding a multiple of meaning inside words in Hebrew. And so it can mean towards, mm. it can mean in, and it can mean from. Toward peace, from peace. And from I peace. love translating mm. all of them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then taking shalom, peace, and saying wholeness Mm. and say what does it mean for hannah in that moment in time when she has asked for what she longs for but she doesn't yet have it Mm -hmm. to walk towards wholeness to walk in wholeness and to walk from wholeness towards this future that she has laid on the altar of god's temple Mm -hmm. or tabernacle Mm -hmm. at that time and just to take that phrase and expand it through expanding it through verb expanding it through holding multiple meanings simultaneously mm-hmm. and the way that lets us ask different questions and wrestle deeper about what does that mean mm-hmm. to walk journey in from and towards wholeness yeah is there an example in your life or as part of your story where you've done that mm. or had or are continuing <laughs> yes. to do that? Um, yeah, I think um, I used to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. And one of the things uh, 
so I was a pastor at a church in Wisconsin, and we moved. And then I was on staff at a church in Minnesota after moving here. And when I left that position, I left for a lot of reasons, but was uh, really in a place of wandering in a realm of nothingness mm. <laughs> afterwards, not to be overdramatic <laughs> or anything. <laughs> but I left without a next thing. Mm. and Which uh, is risky. I mean, that can feel risky. It's risky. And I'd like to take this moment and pause and thank my husband for his patience with mm. me <laughs> <laughs> on this journey that I continue to walk and the risk that he held mm-hmm. in doing that. One of the things that I had to give up that sounds ridiculous, but I do like to tell the story this way, is I I started to think about parties. Mm. Because the question, you know, that we all get at any party we're at, we meet someone Mm. new, Mm -hmm. what's your name? Mm -hmm. The next question is, what what do you do? do? Mm -hmm. And what I had to start thinking about was both how I would answer that question in that moment, but also how much I cared about my answer to that question in the future. Because what I felt God nudging me towards was a future where that question would be hard to answer. Mm. And um, at that point, the nonprofit didn't exist yet, but I started to feel this push-pull towards this way of studying scripture. I had been in rooms before with a a friend of mine, Rabbi Ellen, and just, again, that Jewish influence of, of a rabbinical way of approaching scripture had started to transform the way I studied it. I thought, okay, so what what do I, how do I even do that? How do I tell people like, Hey, Mm -hmm. come into my living room and study. (laughs) I, I, I I gather people and I study scripture with questions. Well, Mm -hmm. that's a weird answer. Do you make money from that? Well, kind of not really, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then I started walking towards Enneagram coaching. That's a Mm -hmm. a business I also have on the side. And what, what in the world is Enneagram? Like that's Mm -hmm. not an easy answer. Even if I say I do Enneagram coaching, people don't know what Enneagram means, nor what coaching in it means. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I started walking towards both those things and they started to become more established actually, where I walked towards the wholeness of what it would mean to do those things. And I walked in the wholeness of it's going to be okay, even though it's weird and unpredictable. Mm -hmm. But then they started to become more predictable. The nonprofit started to have a little bit more sense of stability to it. Enneagram coaching had a little more sense of stability to it. And wouldn't you know, that's when I got the invitation to start having art back in my life again. (laughs) (laughs) Because all of a sudden that became an unpredictable thing where I Mm. couldn't, I can't tell anybody what I'm doing with it or why I'm doing it, except that I feel compelled to start drawing again because it's a part of me that I put down. And I think there's something in doing those things that we can't quite answer where they're going Mm -hmm. that pushes us to walk in wholeness and walk towards wholeness and walk for wholeness in ourselves that hopefully then also becomes a way of walking in the world where we're looking out from ourselves and saying, what does it mean to risk my security? What does it mean to look towards a bigger picture? What does Mm -hmm. it mean to trust in a God who's good and to walk that way? Mm -hmm. I, so get what you're saying. I so get what you're saying. Because you started right a now. retreat house yeah, podcast. Right. Well, and originally it was going to be a, an actual house. Yes. And yeah. And and when I get that question, to even say, because now I would, I've been doing the podcast for over a year, so I feel it's legitimate to say I'm a podcast host. But then I, then there, then there's usually a follow up question of, well, what is a podcast sometimes? And, you know, what does that look like? And do you make a living? No. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, <laughs> I think of- the other side hustles, do you make a living? No. So, yeah, let me take a moment to thank my husband <laughs> <laughs> and rec- and acknowledge the complete privilege I have right. to be able to do these side hustles that are ministry-ish. 
mm-hmm. um, and not have to make a living off of them either. There's, that's a huge privilege. Mm-hmm. And that's then the push that I keep feeling now is that, okay, if I'm walking, I've done some work to walk in towards and from wholeness individually, mm-hmm. but what about communally and mm-hmm. how does any of the things I'm doing connect to God's bigger heart for Shalom for all of God's people? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the next push. That's the next edge. And I think of Hannah being given that blessing. And when, when Eli says that to her, it says that she walks away and her face was no longer downcast. Mm-hmm which also could have that meaning of her face was no longer towards herself. Mm. And so she lifts her face up and she's looking up and out. But a part of what that meant, I mean, I feel like my, my wrestling with what to do at parties is easy compared to hers because she somehow had to go to her husband and say, guess what? We are going to have a kid. And guess what? We're going to give that kid away. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, how did she talk about what she had experienced there Mm -hmm. but yet somehow she does and somehow her husband blesses her for that and and enter samuel the first prophet of israel whose name means god hears Mm, i did not know that's what samuel meant yes and there we are in first samuel chapter two Mm. god is speaking and it's samuel who hears Mm. Um, and Hannah named him that because she felt God had heard her prayer. Mm-hmm. But then he lives an identity of being one who hears from God and who takes that word from God and, and brings it out to the people and says, this is what God is saying mm-hmm. to us about how to live here. Yeah. even And then I think about fast forward a little bit when he's going to, he ends up anointing David. Mm-hmm. But when he goes to Jesse and, you know, where are your sons? And he doesn't pick the biggest and the strongest. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not who God is whispering to him Mm-mm. that's the person no and who and then we see that what god is looking for in a king is david and david's name means beloved mm. if you're going to lead well you've got to know first of all that you are beloved mm. and that your leadership is not defining your worth because mm. that's going to allow him to pour it out for others if he's living an identity of belovedness on my way here i was listening to the typology podcast mm-hmm. and he was interviewing jonathan merritt and Jonathan Merritt was quoting Henry Nowen about my identity doesn't lie in what I do. Oh, there are three questions, three pillars that where we like the lies that we always believe that like mm-hmm. it's in who I am is in what I do, what I have, or what other people say about me. Mm-hmm. But that it's belovedness when you understand that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's an ing too, like moment to moment. I think that becomes a part of the wrestling because Mm -hmm. there's all sorts of messages that are going to tell us something other than belovedness. Mm -hmm. And we've got to keep wrestling to hold that. And, and it's sort of this paradox or tension that I think it's the, the better we hold our own belovedness, the better we love others. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes we think that the answer is like just pouring ourselves out more. Like I, I'm going to be honest here. I, I hate uh, I was going to say maybe that's too strong a word, but it might not be. There's a little like uh, acronym that says joy means Jesus, others, you. Um, okay. And that you live life holding it in that order. Okay. And I think that's false, actually. And I think it's dangerous because if we think that we are last in that way of understanding last, mm-hmm. then we're going to be looking to fill up an emptiness. And our relationships with others will be tainted because mm-hmm. we'll be trying to use them to fill up our own emptiness. It's when we love ourselves well enough to love from an overflow mm-hmm. that we can love the way Jesus loved because Jesus knew he was beloved. Mm-hmm. And that's what allowed him to give up his life is because he first he knew it 
and then he gave it up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of people who grow up in religious contexts are pushed to be doormats or pushed to give up what they've never held. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And to say, you know, so when when Jesus uh, is asked what the greatest commands are and he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. The construct of love your neighbor as yourself is the same way of phrasing a sentence as the Lord's Prayer when it says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay. And we wouldn't hear the Lord's Prayer and say, well, God's will on earth is more important than God's will in heaven. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We would say, of course, that's being phrased as equal worth. Mm -hmm. But yet when we hear love your neighbor as yourself, we don't place equal worth. On us. On us. Mm -hmm. Um, When it goes back to about what you were saying earlier about the tension of knowing our identity that we're created in God's image, but not being, but not stopping there mm-hmm. and seeing that in the context of the community that we're living. Right. In. And that's where then the wrestling becomes a day in day out wrestling, because, um, as we're having this conversation about privilege, sometimes I find myself getting caught in sort of this, these privileged questions about my own identity. And mm-hmm. I get real happy wrestling for that. Some people don't have time or space or opportunity to wrestle with those questions because they're just trying to survive. Right, right. And so can I not stop at the wrestling for my own identity? Can I wrestle for the hope of the world? Mm. And can I ask those hard questions of what God might be asking of me as a person of privilege to step into hard spots and to to wrestle for both, Mm -hmm. to wrestle for my own belovedness? I think um, Richard Rohr says something like that, that the first half of life is for us to recognize how deeply we are beloved and the task of the second half of life is to recognize that everyone else is too. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like that's where I am, that I have a deeper understanding of who I am, that I'm, because I think about that question, who are you? And I go to, Oh, I'm a daughter of the living God. I mean, that is who I am. Not every day. I don't feel that way, but Mm -hmm. on a good day, that's where I go. But now I feel like there are such big things happening in our world and how do I from Minnesota interact with those how do I how do I step toward that how do I in the heart that God has for people step into that Mm -hmm. you know how do I be an instrument how do I be him with skin on to people Mm -hmm. and that's that's where I am that's what I'm wrestling and I don't have an answer I think I think part of it is wrestling with that question of what does it mean to walk in from and towards wholeness mm. and to say in that sort of identity of walking, we don't have to have all the answers in order to begin. Mm-hmm. And to say, what does it mean to just take steps towards something, to mm-hmm. take steps towards love, to take steps towards service mm-hmm. and to wrestle while we're in it and to not feel like we have to have all the answers ahead of First, time. First, before it's stepping. <laughs> right, right. right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because, man, I get stuck in the question. Well, I don't know where. Like, how often do I end up using wrestling as an, an, as an excuse? This is the tension of wrestling. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. It's too hard. I don't know what I can do. So then I don't do anything mm-hmm. besides post on Facebook to raise, raise awareness for something. Right. Well, it's not really doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Slacktivism, I think I've heard yes, that Yes, yes. <laughs> and so to say, do it as well. what does it mean to wrestle for it, towards mm-hmm. it, and, and engage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm right there, too. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything that we haven't talked about with wrestling that you want to make sure that we talk about? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like wrestling, one way it connects to um, what we're doing, what this conversation we're having right now about engaging in real hope and healing for the world, is I think this is 
a part of the conversation that Jesus is having with the Pharisees mm. is that the Pharisees are, I think, when we too quickly demonize them or make them an other, we don't see how often we are them. Mm-hmm. Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to make faith clear and simple so that you can check off all the boxes and know you're doing the right thing. And they feel like that's their job as the religious leaders for the people, especially it's probably even connected to how they're hoping for a Messiah is that they feel like the people have to live a certain level of righteousness before the Messiah comes. Mm. So let us as the religious leaders tell you what it looks like to be righteous so that you have your nice checklist and can live righteously. And then we will be a better community and the Messiah will come. Mm -hmm. And the reason they get mad at Jesus is because Jesus messes with those checkboxes. Right. (laughs) Pretty big. But the way that he messes with them is that I think that the Pharisees are trying to take the wrestling out and Jesus is trying to put the wrestling back in. Um, Because on the Sabbath, they get mad at him because he's with his disciples and he picks some grain. Mm -hmm. If we really, we can understand if we put ourselves in the Pharisees' shoes why they get mad at him because to pick grain and eat it means you have to like uh, move the grain between your fingers to get out the part that you eat which if you pick grain and then you separate the shaft Mm -hmm. you are working harvesting Mm -hmm. you are working Mm -hmm. it's sabbath you're not supposed to harvest on the sabbath jesus you're messing with the line Mm -hmm. because where how all you're allowing your disciples to harvest on the sabbath because they're hungry pretty soon people will start harvesting for their families because their families are hungry and then they'll harvest for their communities and then they'll harvest for society and pretty soon we won't have sabbath anymore Mm -hmm. isn't it more simple to just put the line at no harvesting under any circumstances ever Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that everybody can do the right thing and jesus says oh you've missed it man wasn't created to serve sabbath sabbath was created Mm -hmm. for man it's a gift and as of course hungry people should eat and of course we shouldn't yeah it's hard to wrestle with that line when does it become harvesting good question but let's Mm -hmm. keep asking that question instead of trying to take the question out Mm -hmm. same thing happens when he heals someone they look at him and they say healing gosh that sounds like work if you mm-hmm. heal someone on the Sabbath, where are you going to draw that line, Jesus? And mm-hmm. he says, are you really going to look at your neighbor and say you don't, you shouldn't be healed? Yeah. Or wouldn't you, when he heals the bent over woman, don't you take your ox and your donkey to the water? Right. I mean, she's a daughter of Abraham. Right. Of, it- of course we should move towards healing. Mm-hmm. And of course, when we do that, there's going to be wrestling mm-hmm. of where we draw the lines, how much capacity we have, how we still practice Sabbath while being oriented towards healing for others. Mm-hmm. And even the thought of that, I think, like even listeners listening might feel like anxiety uh-huh. rising because there's not, there's not a clear answer. Right. And mm-hmm. can we live with that anxiety mm-hmm. in order to ask the bigger, deeper questions mm-hmm. of how does God both want us to rest and want us to heal? Mm-hmm. How does God both want us to stop working and work towards feeding people who are hungry? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And can we hold that both are simultaneously true? Because Christians have also, I think, many people of faith, uh, of the Christian faith that I know, have gone to the other extreme and let go of Sabbath. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think Jesus is saying, actually, both are true. Mm -hmm. Hold on to Sabbath, hold on to rest, hold on to stopping, and also hold on to feeding and hold on to healing and Mm -hmm. hold on to a bigger vision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And ask all the hard questions that come with that. (laughs) Yeah, there's so many things, too, we could talk about with Sabbath, too. Yes, I'm a firm believer in (laughs) Sabbath practice. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. There are two questions I ask all my guests. The first one is, how do you retreat? Is it a place? Is it a practice? What does it look like for you? Mm-hmm. Um, I, as a part of picking art back up again, at mm-hmm. first I just had a little art journal that I carried with me. But then this spring, I found a little corner of my house, <laughs> and I made it into a little tiny art studio. It's got an easel. It's got four drawers. It's got a table, and I call it a studio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that for sure is my retreat space. I have mm-hmm. learned that there is something that opens up in me when I am creating art that opens up my heart differently. It opens up my posture differently to hear, to mm-hmm. feel, mm-hmm. to see. And I absolutely need it as a retreat practice in my life. And I'm guarding it so carefully right now because I, I have also felt a pull kind of now we're back in the wrestling mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> to share some of my art and to um, not just have it be private. And I'm wrestling then with the question of how do I do that while still having it be the retreat that it is mm-hmm. meant to be for my heart? How do I start to share it without getting pulled into the consumeristic market driven spaces without getting mm-hmm. pulled into the work part of it? But it feels like it's both, as God often invites us to. It is my retreat space, but my retreat space is not just for me. Mm. And so I'm right in the middle of those questions, too. <laughs> Would you? I had a conversation with someone recently who started praying in a labyrinth. Mm. And so, and we talked about the your body moving in a way that's uh, kind of nondescript that frees your mind. Mm-hmm. Is art like that for you? Once you start painting, it's your hands are occupied and so your mind is freed. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, and I also think it's just yesterday in church, the sermon was about John the Baptist losing his voice or I'm mm-hmm. um, sorry, Zacharias losing his voice before the birth of John the Baptist. And how often we see that as a consequence, but maybe it's mm-hmm. not. Maybe there are things that are birthed in silence that mm-hmm. can't be birthed through words. And what if, what if that was a part of Zacharias having a new beginning as well mm-hmm. uh, as Elizabeth? And to say, um, we just have a tendency to put words around everything all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And I think art frees me from words and engages my body in something that's deeper than a Twitter or right. <laughs> <laughs> all of the ways that we try to reduce things to words. Mm-hmm. My other question is, if you were to use the hashtag celebrate weird to describe something about yourself, what would that be? Um, all of us have skills that don't fit with our other skills. I feel like that mm-hmm. maybe goes into the celebrate weird thing <laughs> where like, like the art and the Enneagram and the scripture circles all sort of fit in this realm of asking questions and meditating and wrestling and moving mm-hmm. deeper. Um, but I also really enjoy cooking and I'm a leftover ninja. Okay. Um, so, so my weird little <laughs> skill is that I can look at a refrigerator full of random food and make it into something new. <laughs> that is a gift. But it's also just a weird, and I. But it, what's weird about it is how much I enjoy it. I actually think I enjoy cooking more when there's less in the fridge because there's something about the challenge, challenge. of like, ooh, I can take this random ingredient and mm-hmm. this random ingredient and make it taste good. <laughs> And I sometimes delay going to the store, I think, because I'm like, ooh, I want to be able to figure out mm-hmm. <laughs> how to do this weird meal mm-hmm. out of random things and have it taste good. good. And, and also then risk that sometimes it doesn't taste good. Right. <laughs> sometimes it is just weird and not, not tasty. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, thank you so much for coming on and setting off our, our series on spiritual formation with this really, really important topic. Thank you for having me. It's so fun to talk about.
Thank you for joining us today at the table. Any information mentioned in the show or things we talked about can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Or if you've already subscribed, please leave a review so that others can find us too. If you want to keep up on what's happening with Retreat House, you can find us on all the social medias at at Retreat House Podcast. If you want to keep up with what's happening with me, you can find me at at Angie Smith MN. We'll see you next week at the Retreat House Podcast. Thank you.